you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's bad with money with Gabe S. Done. Hello and welcome to Bad With Money, a show about finances and feelings where we don't talk down to you. Our guest today is Kim Schooler. I'm so excited to have this conversation, even though I guess it's slightly dark conversation, but hopefully empowering. Kim, can you tell my audience who you are and what you do? Sure, Gabe. It's wonderful to be here with you and your audience today. So I am a lawyer by background, but I've really taken on this role of becoming a financial literacy advocate for many people, especially women. I worked in the financial services industry as in-house counsel for many years and ended up serving as the president of one of the largest broker-dealers in the United States. And I left the corporate side because I really needed a lot more control over my time. So I started my own financial business and my own law practice and, you know, raised my beautiful son. Very recently, I co-authored the new book, How Money Works for Women, Take Control or Lose It. So I found your name because I was Googling around for people who might be experts on financial abuse. And as an attorney, you were working for financial services companies and that gave you sort of an in about finances. But when did you start talking about financial abuse? When, you know, when I was president of the broker dealer and looked around, there really wasn't a lot of representation of many underserved Mm -hmm. groups at the highest level in financial services. And so when I started really representing the interests of women and the fact that, you know, one in four women, and there are also several men, but predominantly women who are victims of domestic violence, and 99% of victims are also victims of financial abuse. I felt that it was a real responsibility of the financial services industry to take note of that and do something about it. Because if we can change that statistic with financial information, with financial literacy, by giving these men and women who are victims of abuse the ability to escape those situations, I I think it's incumbent on us to really do that. Can you explain briefly what financial abuse is and then we'll get into some examples? So, you know, financial abuse, it doesn't start off looking like financial abuse. It actually starts off looking like love. Your partner may say, you know, I'm going to take care of the finances. You take care of the household or you take care of yourself or you take care of the kids. I want to take care of you. And you may think, wow, this person really loves me. You know, this person wants to take care of me. And bit by bit, over time, that person takes complete control of the finances in the family. And so you're left with really no resources and, you know, just really little ability to do anything on the financial side. And so we recommend people look for the red flags of financial abuse. And that might include 
you know, if your partner limits your ability to access financial information or access to the bank accounts, or maybe your abuser drains the bank accounts, hides assets, or maybe the abuser demands a very detailed accounting of how you spend money or criticizes your financial decisions or your career decisions. Maybe they threaten to withhold money or they force you to miss work or be late for work or, you know, maybe miss, you know, if you're in school, miss your classes or try and force you to quit school. They might belittle your accomplishments. And the extreme end of that is where they physically abuse you or, you know, do violence uh, on you to keep you from, you know, getting to your work or pursuing whatever your academic achievements are. So those are, Mm -hmm. you know, just at a very high level, what financial abuse looks like. I know that there's often the case that if someone is trying to leave an abusive situation, one of the hard things is that they're financially tied to the other person. You sort of get in deep with, you know, relying on their income or sharing a home or things like that. So can you talk about like the process of how hard it is to sort of get out of even like a a physical situation. Like when I was reading your work, I was like, of course, like all domestic violence or all intimate partner violence has a financial aspect, even if it's not financial abuse. There's still things you have to think about and do financially. Right. You know, money, taking control of the money is really the easiest way to take control of another person, especially if there are children involved. So, you know, every aspect of leaving an abusive situation involves money from putting gas in the car to getting a bus ticket or a plane ticket to finding a new place to live to putting food on the table. And all of that gets compounded if you've got children. So a lot of victims Mm -hmm. report that they stay in abusive situations or they go back to abusive situations primarily because of money. And so we want to change that with education. And the thing to do, I mean, I've just, I've seen this play out in my life with friends or my mother's a divorce attorney. And it's a lot of sort of saving money in small places or, you know, I saw some stuff where it was you were writing about or the articles you were interviewed in about taking pictures of important documents in case, you know, they go missing or whatever it is. Can you talk about like some steps that people can can take? That's exactly right. So we recommend that victims start stashing cash a little bit at a time, you know, over a period of time, you know, open up a bank account that your abuser is not aware of. Have the statements, you know, either only accessed online, you know, through a portal that your abuser is not aware of, or if they have to send paper statements, have have them send it to maybe a work address or to a friend or family's address. And then make sure you get a credit card in your name alone so you can access credit and build your credit score, your credit report for when you want to go out and get your own place to live. That's really important. And again, you know, have your statements sent you know, only available online or have them sent to a friend's address 
take pictures of the large assets in the household. You know, maybe it's a house or a vehicle or a boat. Maybe it's antiques. Take pictures of bank statements. Take pictures of 401k statements and any other investment statements. Take pictures of your driver's license, of your car insurance card, of your health insurance card, of your birth certificates, marriage certificates, passports. Take pictures of all of that. So many victims, when they leave, can only leave with the clothes on their back. So anything and everything that you can get on your phone is going to be so invaluable to you when you're reconstructing or rebuilding your life after you leave. Have you been using Mint to manage your finances? First, the bad news. Mint is shutting down. Now, good news. There's a better alternative. Monarch Money. Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it. That's right. I use Mint and now I'm using Monarch Money. It is very stressful, confusing, and time-consuming to manage my finances. I've tried other finance apps. They don't really work. Like, you know, I was very committed to Mint and then I was uh, deeply sad when Mint went away. But now I have tried Monarch. It's so easy to use with powerful features, collaboration tools, intuitive design, personalization, constant product improvements. I mean, I really value a company that is proactively looking at how to make finances easier. Did you know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce? Monarch, the top rated personal finance app, also has built in collaboration features so that you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Can you imagine being able to have a budget app with your partner? That is wild. You can see all your finances. You can collaborate on your budget. You can get insights on your cash flow and reoccurring transactions. It's a very easy way to manage a household's finances. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all your tags and categories. Monarch is the most customizable budget app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. We will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y slash badmoney for your extended 30-day free trial. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because when I'm looking to work with someone, I really need to be able to get someone fast. My job works very fast. Podcasts work very fast. 
and I've actually been looking for an assistant and I don't need to waste time sorting through matches without getting the highest quality person, right? When I'm looking to hire someone, whether that's a grant writer or a musician or something like that, it's very overwhelming because you get a lot of messages, but you're not able to like parse through yourself, which ones are actually worth looking at. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash badwithmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash badwithmoney right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash badwithmoney terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Teams buried in manual work, taking forever to close the books. Getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, you should know these numbers. 37,025-1. 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. If you have all the information about your business in one place, you can make way better decisions. And this is an unprecedented offer, meaning this is totally worth your time. As someone who runs a business, having all of this together in order to close my books, that would be invaluable. It's a time saver. It's literally the biggest time saver. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. That's netsuite.com slash badwithmoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. Yeah, I mean, in my experiences, I would say it's when you were describing all of that, it's so terrifying. Like the idea of having a photo on my phone that I can't explain to my partner, which is why I wanted to have you on. Because in my experiences, like the level of fear and the level of being like, okay, I'm going to need to be able to explain this somehow. And like, you know, I think you hear often when someone is gearing up to leave, that's the most dangerous time. Is that correct? It is. That is absolutely the most dangerous time. You know, but we live in an age where electronics can be very helpful to us. There are apps out there that will let you kind of shield information from someone you don't want to see. Or, you know, again, Mm -hmm. rely on a trusted friend or family member who's going to be able to keep this information for you. Maybe you take the pictures and then you immediately transfer them over to a friend or a family member, and then you delete them from your phone. The electronics Mm -hmm. is a big help to victims in escaping their situation as they, you know, are rebuilding their lives. I was thinking about like the subtle ways that people might not 
know is financial abuse and the subtle ways that people might go about it towards towards a victim. You know, there's a lot of obvious stuff, right? Oh, they might hit you. Oh, they might keep the credit cards from you. And these are all harrowing stories. But I was thinking about like, there's sort of there was these other things that I was writing down, which is like this making you feel incompetent. So like one aspect was that it would be like, I have to handle all of this because you don't do it right or you don't know how to do it. Or I have to be the one taking care of all of these things because when you do it, it's wrong. I'm doing you a favor, actually, because you're doing all of this wrong was like one big component of it, which I think yes. is like something that people don't talk about enough. It, well, I mean, you are so right. You know, the abuser uses that belittling and putting you down and those criticisms. And, you know, after a while, you get to believe that, oh, I'm I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough. I'll, I'll mess this up. And, oh, thank goodness, mm -hmm. this person is in my life to take care of these things for me. It is really hard for victims who are inside of an abusive situation to see it, to connect the dots, mm -hmm. which is why I, I really try along with a lot of other people to kind of spread the message because, you know, if you're a friend or a coworker or a family member of someone you see this happening to, you're going to be the wake-up call because nine times out of 10, they're not going to see it because they're going to buy into that, you know, all of those reasons that they're not good enough, that, you know, they're, they're abuser's been chipping away at their self-confidence over a period of time. And so the extent that we, as the loved ones or the caring ones, the co-workers, whoever, can see it and speak up, we should. Yeah, I think it was very important, invaluable to have certain friends say, that's not correct, or that's not what it would be in my relationship, or that doesn't make any sense. Or and I think that it's important for not just people in these relationships, but you're right, like outside people to say something because even if the other person gets a little bit angry, why are you paying most of the rent? Why are you paying double? People would say, that doesn't seem right. Like there was a lot of, well, I do all of this work and I take care of everything. So you have to pay for it because I'm basically doing so much work. Like I basically work for you. Mm. And from there... You know, a friend of mine who they said that to was said to me like that's that seems outlandish to say about a relationship or, you know, a friend was like, if my if my girlfriend couldn't afford rent in where we were living, then we wouldn't live there because I wouldn't be expected to cover everything. So I think like there's a lot of embarrassment about stuff. And is there a way to sort of like how how do these abusive situations like rely on embarrassment and how can the person get over sharing stuff? You know, it's all about talking about it and bringing it out of the shadows. It, you know, it has been because it is embarrassing. A lot of victims feel that they brought this on themselves or they, you know, embarrassment or shame around it, they don't talk about it. The more people who speak up about this issue to say, hey, this happened to me, when more people stand up and say, hey, this happened to me, and this is how I dealt with it, and this is how I got out of it, and I, I talked to my friends, and they gave me feedback, 
the more people talk about it who have been victims and survived it and are thriving, I think the more inspiring that will be and the more strength it will give to other people who may feel that embarrassment that you felt and and a lot of people feel and, you know, sometimes shame around it. And a lot of people who have come out of situations like this, they do want to talk about it. And one of the things that is on their to-do list is to help other victims get out of situations Mm -hmm. like this. They're among the strongest people I know because, you know, they've come through something really horrible and they want to talk about it and they want to help others get through it. And it is one of the most sobering statistics is, you know, uh, uh, domestic violence hotlines in the United States receive around 20 thousand calls a day. Wow. So this is something that we all have to step up and talk about because if it's, you know, if it's, uh, you know, 25% of women and, you know, another large percentage of men who are going through this, then we've got to step up and talk about it and not let these people continue to suffer in silence when, you know, bright, shining a bright light on this issue and providing financial education and other resources is going to be such a big help. It's easy to say about other people, you know, oh, it's not your fault. But then when it comes to yourself, you're like, no, it's definitely my fault. I'm I'm a mark. I'm stupid. And so, you know, I, I it is hard. It also is hard to admit things like, well, I called domestic violence hotlines or I texted domestic violence hotlines and still didn't leave. (laughs) And like, I think it's hard for people to understand, like knowing that things aren't right, but still being like, well, there's so many reasons that I couldn't possibly leave. Right. And, and, you know, for a lot of people, it's tied to money. Exactly. If we can take that out of the equation what kind of difference can we have on this important issue? Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. We all know about that in my life and how hard that's been for me and also my listeners. You guys hear them talking about it on the mailbags. It is hard to manage finances with a partner. Putting away money for retirement, since I'm not going to be doing this podcast forever. Sorry, I guess I could, but retirement is huge for me. I am deeply focused on it right now and planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year. Taxes are a doozy, and it's always changing. How do you know what to do? Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. 
Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Do you think that it's financial literacy or do you think like are there what are the like social services available like is there something is there stuff that people can can look into and receive or like how do you it just feels like if there was more structural help they you wouldn't have to stay in these relationships right there are a lot of great community and national resources for women to get out of domestic violence situations. You know, there's the domestic violence hotline, which is 1-800-799-7233. And then you can find resources in your local area by going to www.domesticshelters.org. And it will show you what resources are available in your community. But you know, there are a lot of, you know, friends and family and resources that are available to help. But sometimes, you know, it takes women a few tries or a long time to think about it and to plan for it and to see what resources are available to her to escape the situation in order to do it. And and a lot of people do call those hotlines multiple times before they're ready to make the step. And that's okay. It's not a one and done. You know, these hotlines are here to provide that continuing support. And once you're out of that situation, you know, one of the, there are so many insidious things about financial abuse, but one of the most insidious is that when women escape these situations, oftentimes their credit is ruined. They've had to file for bankruptcy. They've got judgment liens or tax liens filed against them because of the misconduct by their abuser on the financial side to try and keep them from financial resources and access to any kind of financial improvement. That abuser does everything they can to hurt their credit. So women and, and men who have been abused can spend years after escaping the situation just digging out from under that hole. But there are also resources available to help them. And one of the surprising resources is the IRS. The IRS has a special program for victims of intimate partner violence who may have tax issues that were caused by their abuser, or maybe they were denied their refund because their abuser accessed it. So there are resources out there. You just have to raise your hand and look for them and ask for them. But, you know, it's never too late and it's never too bad to get out and start over. Yeah. I mean, the thing for me has been being really upset about my finances being decimated. And then, you know, my my boyfriend now has said, but you're protecting your future. Like you'll make more money in the future and that money will be safe money. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. How do you go into it's so hard to be trusting. How do you what are like green flags? So I think a green flag is 
even in the healthiest of relationships, both parties in a couple should be making the family financial decisions. They should be making financial decisions together. Each person in a couple should have their questions answered, should have their goals, their financial goals identified and addressed. No one, both people should be respected and feel that level of respect. And there should be complete transparency about what the financial situation is. What are the assets? How much do we owe? You know, what's coming in? What are the opportunities for the future? What are the things that we want to accomplish together? You know, all of that are going to be green flags. And it, unfortunately, even in healthy relationships, Gabe, you see one person in a couple kind of deferring, you know, all the financial decisions to the other person. So we encourage everyone to be a participant and engaged in the financial decision making. Yeah, I think like money gets so emotional for people and it's used as a almost like a a placeholder for love. We have to make this purchase or you don't love me. If I wanted my own lawyer for a prenup, the uh, idea was that I was hiring someone against them and we needed to have the same lawyer. Sometimes when one person is highly emotional and the other person just is conflict averse, they want to like back down and just be like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Like just, just like, let's not be having this conflict anymore. And I think that's something that in a healthy relationship, people are able to speak about money in a way that isn't so highly volatile, or at least if one person is volatile about it, they have to have the self-awareness to be like, hey, money is a really emotional topic for me. Is there a way we can talk about this that allows me to like deal with my emotions in a way that doesn't attack you? Right. That is a great way to handle it. You know, when you think about it, money for a lot of people is a truly emotional topic. A lot of us learned about money from our parents or whoever raised us. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it was either, you know, in my family, it was, you know, money doesn't grow on trees and we can't afford that and pinch your pennies and, you know, a lot of negative messages. And, you know, whenever, you know, a parent would come home with a special gift or something, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, you know, that, that is a showing of love. And so money has gotten tied into a lot of emotional things that start all the way back to our childhoods. So, you know, one of the things that I encourage couples to do is to have an open conversation about where you learned about money and what your emotions and thought process is about money and you know what are you, what's your triggers when it comes to money so you get all of that out in the open in a safe environment when there's not yeah. you know a prenup or some other big decision hanging over your heads just have that discussion so you know and can empathize with where the other person is coming from Yeah, it's extremely vulnerable. It's like really hard to sit down and also not feel judged if you want to show someone, okay, this is my debt situation. Like I think if if you are the person who doesn't have debt or something and your partner sits down and is like, okay, here are my student loans. I think that you should keep in mind that they're being exceptionally vulnerable and also talking about you know, not having enough money or maybe in the beginning of dating, they were like, yeah, it's fine to split, you know, dinner. And then you find out, you know, as you're getting more into the relationship that they actually 
do have a lot of medical debt or something. It just like understand that it is them being very vulnerable with you. And I think how you respond to that vulnerability is kind of a game changer. That is so important. And really, you know, I love that idea of, you know, it's just creating this safe space and understanding that that person it is a loving act to be vulnerable to another person and to view it mm-hmm. in that way, I think, is very healthy and helpful for a couple. Are there specific examples that you've encountered that you've been like, wow, I didn't even realize that that could be a thing. And I'm like, so like, wow, this is a specific example. I was talking to a girl this weekend who I was explaining my house situation and she was like, oh yeah, I co-signed on a car with my ex and then he felt like he could just take the car whenever. So I would come out of the house and he was like, I'm, I've taken the car. And I was like, I've never even thought about the car. Right. I, you know, I see things like that, hear stories like that all the time. And it is, you know, a car or you know, signing a co-signing a loan for some other big purchase or maybe for a school loan or for a business loan. I see situations like that happen all of the time where someone thought they were doing a loving act and it was really this other person, you know, taking advantage of of this loving act that may end up you know, really hurting the other person financially. And and those kinds of things will last for a very long time. So, you know, I recommend everybody, you know, have their own credit score. Everybody, you know, have their own money. Certainly you commingle on certain things, especially the common interest things, the common goal things. But it's, it's healthier to have situations where it's not one person taking advantage of another or where it could appear to be that way. You know, one of the most surprising things to me in the work that I've done with victims of of abuse is that it's that they don't see it. They they What do you mean? They just can't see it while they're in the middle of it. Yeah. So how do you, I mean, is it that you're sitting down with them to go over their finances and you start realizing that this is the issue and they don't think that's the issue? It comes up in situations like that when I'm working with a couple or when I'm working with just somebody out in the community, you know, and whatever I'm doing, it comes up. But when I I worked with domestic violence shelters and talked to victims survivors in in helping them kind of rebuild and and learn more about finances it's just so interesting to me that they they didn't see it when they were in the middle of it they just didn't see it yeah. and there's just something that clicks for them maybe it's something that their child says or something a friend says or something that they want And it just hits them that it is unreasonable that this person doesn't want me to achieve this goal. But for a very long time, because this kind of abuse is insidious and grows smaller. I mean, it's it's small, step by step, bit by bit over a long time that you, you can't see it when you're in the middle of it. 
one thing that you touched on briefly that I think is important to note for people as a form of financial abuse is if the other person is keeping you from goals or from school or things like that. I think like an example is if you start to notice that if you have a very big meeting the next day or if you have something really important coming up the next day and they choose 11 p.m. that night to start a massive fight or if you are like about to leave to go to some kind of thing that might be like good for professional development or whatever and they choose five minutes before you're leaving to have a complete meltdown. I think that's something that you should start clocking and even like writing it down in a notes app, like what what was going on that day and what it what all of a sudden came up for them that day. Does that make sense? It does. You know, if if you can journal and kind of if you journal or comfortable with that and you keep track of those things, hopefully you'll see the pattern over time. But it's called economic uh, sabotage where your oh. person your abuser is just sabotaging your ability to improve your financial situation, whether through work or through academic pursuits. Really? So it's economic sabotage. So it has a name for like, it hey, I'm going to keep name. you from going into work. Yes, there are wow. actually three different kinds of uh, three main types of abuse. One of them is that economic sabotage. Another one is economic exploitation where, you know, your partner is, you know, not paying the bills, running up a lot of debt, ruining your credit score, those kinds of things that are going to negatively impact your ability to access financial resources. And then there's economic sabotage where they, you know, hurt your employment and education opportunities. And then the other type of financial abuse is financial control. And that's where they're limiting access to information, limiting access to the bank accounts, criticizing and belittling your financial decisions. It's hard to parse it out, but you're right. I think journaling, journaling was actually 100% imperative to me because I would be told, oh, this just started. Our problems just started. And then I was able to look back in my journal and say, no, there were problems on this day. There were problems on this day. So honestly, like keeping a record of of anything that that happens is like hugely important. I want to impart to my listeners. So one last a- aspect I want to talk about is how do kids change the equation and what are some things that you can do? Because that seems impossible to me. That is very, it, that makes it so much more difficult. So when children are involved, you're going to want to do more planning on the financial side and looking at what resources are available to you. You're also going to want to, you know, keep records so that when you have to apply for custody, full custody, that you've got the records to demonstrate that you've been the responsible parent and the other parent has been, you know, the abuser in the situation. Now, I have done interviews with survivors. A lot of times, the thing that holds survivors back from speaking up is their children because they, mm-hmm. their children may not be aware of the extent of the abuse, either the violence or the financial abuse. And when victims come out and speak up about it, 
that, you know, makes it pretty clear for the whole world, including their children. And so I interviewed some parents who have left situations and they eventually they tell their children more of the story about what happened. And you know what? The kids end up okay because I've interviewed yeah. adult children and children are resilient and children are smart and they see things and they end up okay. Oftentimes, if you, you know, you're doing everything you can to protect them, whether you stay in the abusive situation or you get out, because you're there and you love them and you're protecting them already, they're miles ahead of some other kids who may not have that those caring parents. But even leaving with nothing but the clothes on your back, leaving and maybe living out of your car or going to a shelter or living at a, at a family house for a period of time, the kids end up okay. So don't add to all of the things that you're worried about. Don't add that level of guilt about how your kids are going to take this and turn out. And they have picked up on it. They absolutely have. Like if you're unhappy in the home or if things are going poorly, that it's not staying for the kids, it's leaving for the kids. That's exactly right. I couldn't have put it better. But it is hard, you know, also I've, I've spoken to a lot of fans of this show who have written in and the legal battle and the legal fees are such a huge imposition and, and have, you know, I've, I've had fans write in and say, I've been going through this divorce and I'm drained of like legal fees and the other person has more access to assets and money than I do. And so, you know, I'm, I'm basically being run into the ground by this person, even after we've split up because they're just still, you know, doing all of this stuff to make me pay for court and all of these things. And I think often about, I'm a a big fan of Tina Turner. And I think often about in her book, she talks about leaving Ike and she says that she left and she just let him keep everything, even though she was the one who made all the money and stuff from her music. She, she, when she divorced him, she just let him keep everything because she didn't want to deal with it anymore. She was like, this is my peace of mind. Take the house, take the car. I don't care. And so she was fully Tina Turner starting from zero. Right. I think about that often. I, it's like protecting your peace. Yes. I am such a big fan of hers as well. And, you know, I, I've met victims who have left abusive situations and have given up all of rights to all of the assets, any, you know, Mm -hmm. rights to child support or alimony or any of that just to get custody of the kids. And sometimes that works and you can always start over. You know, you know how money works. You can start over. Yeah, it's it's tedious and it sucks, but you can. And this is what I'm doing right now, but you can start over. You can rebudget. You can look into stuff. I'm look unemployment, EBT, like there are resources in places you might not even think. And I've said before on this show, I can't preach about looking for all the ways to to do things and not admit the things that I'm doing myself. But I I do think you know, there's been some people writing into the show saying you have to fight this and some people writing into the show and saying, I wish you would let this go because it's clearly stressing you out. And I'm like, it's so interesting to see such disparate opinions on how to handle something like this. Right, right. And, you know, you've got to just identify what's most important to you. 
in your situation. Yeah, but you can start over. There are tools. There are people that are doing this work. I mean, you're one of them. There are communities probably like you're not alone. There are tons of people, especially even just from seeing who's written into the show lately. Like you're absolutely not alone if this is happening to you. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Exactly. Which is why it's so important for people to come out and, you know, share what's happened to them. It is incredibly Mm -hmm. brave that you've shared this, Gabe. Thanks. To close out, what's like the main message or main thing that you think people should know that if they're listening to this and they're like, wait, this might be my situation? I think the important message, to sum up kind of what we've talked about, is that you're not alone. There are resources out there and there are people, groups and companies that are here to help you. You are not alone. Don't be embarrassed or or ashamed. Don't feel that. You're going to feel what you're going to feel, but do your best Mm -hmm. to overcome that because so many of us are the victims of that. And we need your story. We need your strength and we need your participation. And it's okay to start from zero. There's not, it's not linear. It's not a backslide. I'm saying all of this as if I'm going to listen to myself. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> Where can people find you and find more of your work? Well, you know, you can always find me by going to my website, which is Kim at howmoneyworks.com. Or I'm sorry, that's my email address. You can always email me at Kim at HowMoneyWorks.com or you can go to HowMoneyWorks.com slash Kim and you'll find my website. And I'm also on, you know, social media. So you can always reach out to me there as well. Thank you so much for coming and doing this interview. I really appreciate it. It was a real honor and pleasure, Gabe. Thank you for having me. Bad With Money with Gabe Shane Dunn is a production of Noted Bisexual, produced by Melissa D. Monts and Diamond M. Print Productions, edited by Diane King, post-production sound by Coco Lorenz, and music by Mike Kaplan, Zach Sherwin, and Jack Dolgen, as sung by Sam Barbera. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Bye. 